Welcome to the Staffing RecOps podcast, where we interview leaders from high-volume staffing and recruitment firms on the operations, strategy and business processes that they've implemented or are implementing. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcoming to the show today, Matt Dickens. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Matt is based in Portsmouth on the south coast of England here in the UK and is in fact our second guest on the SROP from Portsmouth. Matt is now a director at Astute Technical Recruitment, having joined the business as a resourcer in February 2007, progressing through the ranks as a recruitment consultant, a senior recruiter and recruitment manager before moving into his current role in January 2015. Today, Matt is responsible for managing the day-to-day and strategic operations of their recruitment teams, ensuring delivery of a high-quality recruitment service and meeting company objectives. Astute Technical Recruitment has a large focus on the energy sector, recruiting for permanent and contract roles worldwide in power generation, renewable energy, waste management, water treatment and nuclear sectors. Matt, what can you tell the audience about what you've been doing at Astute in terms of automation when it comes to messaging? Uh, Sure. Okay. So um, always have been a massive fan of tech in the recruit space. Uh, It's a big part of our business as it is now. Um, And I've always been really keen on the idea of understanding how we can give our recruiters as much time as possible to do the things that people do really well uh, and to remove any barriers or restrictions on time that might be caused by administrative tasks that are are repetitive and quite straightforward. So um, I've always been really open-minded to that. And back in 2018, um, we uh, came on board with a a, a popular um, automation tool, um, very uh, early doors for them as a business. So it was a great opportunity to be involved um, early in the development of a product. Um, and really loved how we could use automation uh, for two things, really. First and foremost, as you say, um, the messaging of people, um, helping us to uh, maintain contact with individuals that may very well have have fallen out of our recruitment process or may need um, just a little bit of engagement to keep them interested in what we're doing. At the time as well, uh, GDPR was, was kicking off. It was a big thing and we needed to talk to lots of people really quickly which was something that really uh, initially um, drove our interest in uh, automation. But then beyond that, also how you can automate parts of the process too. So um, uh, when when that message goes out or when you get this response, can you please update this field or make that change or move this person to that status? Um, actually also goes a long way to uh, making sure that as a business we're really organized and that the data that we have is really organized. So, so GDPR was actually the catalyst for this, was it? It was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, for a company with over 100,000 candidates on the database, we needed to uh, we needed to be talking to those people more frequently initially to get their um, uh, to, to get their initial uh, expressions of interest. But we also needed to manage that ongoing. And so had you looked at a number of different solutions or did you get, you mentioned you were early doors with the automation tool that you went with. Had you gone through a selection process? How did that work? 
So uh, back in uh, back back when we took our automation product on board, um, there was only, um, in my opinion, one real clear business that was doing it really well um, in such a fashion it would work with our tech stack. So it didn't have a great deal of choice at the time. I think there are quite a few products available now. So if I was doing it again, I would definitely um, be uh, more open-minded. Uh, but once you are heavily invested in something like automation, you've obviously put quite a lot of time and effort and resource into uh, getting it working the way you want. So it would need to be a really good reason to uh, to go back to market and look elsewhere. What sort of level of effort was put into this in, in terms of people in, or, or hours? What, what did the project look like? Uh, so it was a big old project, actually. Um, but the, I think where people get go wrong with things like this is they don't necessarily appreciate how big a project it can be and they implement it and they kind of barely scratch the surface of what can be done and then decide that it's not really giving them the value for money. Um, so for us, when we first went down the route of automation, um, we mapped out our entire process from start to finish. Every single action or decision that gets made throughout the recruitment process that requires a field to be updated on our CRM or requires some sort of external contact. And we decided which one of those things were really important uh, or which one of those things, more to the point, really requires human interaction and which one of those things could be replaced with either an automated message or an automation, a, a process automation. Uh, and from there, we were able to map out everything that needed to be done um, and implement a plan with content um, to, to deliver against those requirements. But I think if you don't spend that time doing that, it could be very, very easy to become distracted or to really not use the, the, the products to their full potential. So GDPR was the catalyst, but you actually looked at every part of the process. Did you segment and phase the implementation of those automations? Yes, absolutely. Um, we started off um, if, I, if I can recall, it was five years ago now, but we started off with candidates specifically. Uh, we were already on that, that GDPR train um, and we were thinking about um, the things that can sometimes slip through the net. They shouldn't do, but they can do. Um, for example, uh, an email confirming somebody's interview should never slip through the net. Uh, sometimes they do. Um, and by having that automation in as a, as a, as a backstop, uh, we can make sure that those things don't get missed. But we felt for us, that was where the, the most amount of opportunity was initially. Uh, and from that, we then went on to things like client emails, um, which I think sales emails become a little bit more sophisticated. Um, with, the, with the candidate emails, we were, we were largely just replicating what people were doing. Um, so it was quite easy to get done. When it came to the sales emails to customers, there was more of a, uh, an art, a finesse, um, more um, industry secret tips to, to learn and understand so that, that could become really effective, which we, we have now worked our way towards. Is there something you would do differently other than maybe looking at more vendors if you were doing this now, but once you'd selected uh, starting that actual mapping out and implementing the solution, is there anything you would do differently today yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know what I what I would have done better is the evolution of that mapping. The mapping that we did right at the very beginning was um, 
more slapdash than what it has been since. So when we first mapped it out, it was a lot more rudimentary. When we have then subsequently reviewed what we did, we had a, uh, we had, uh, I don't know what the, the style of diagram is called now, but it's what we used when we had our, uh, did our ISO certification where every single minute detail of the process is mapped out. Um, and I do speak to people now who are keen to understand, um, you know, what are, what we've learned over that time and, and what we would do differently if we were doing it again. And it would, it would really be to pay super, super attention, find that time to spend time mapping out that process. And I think what can happen uh, sometimes, especially with, with business owners, they're trying to find this balance between managing that sort of thing themselves and continuing to do the thing that they're really good at or have more of an interest in, which is, uh, you know, running their business and, and making placements. So I think if you are not the sort of person that is going to be able to commit that time to it, or it's not the sort you're not the sort of person that, that really fully understands it, then then have a look in your business or externally and see if there's anybody else that can can help you with that. Because getting that right early on makes a massive difference. I assume you were the lead on this project internally. I, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm a fiddler. I, I've always, uh, you know, when, whenever I get something new and I, I see different buttons, I know I've got to know how they uh, how they work. Um, and uh, you know, my mum will tell you that I was you know, taking the video recorder apart as a kid. So uh, some things like automation really appeal to me when I'm thinking about, oh, cool, how can we, how can we make this more effective? How can we, um, you know, make this cool thing over here happen where this happens and then that happens and then this works. And, you know, so it's, it's really in my wheelhouse. Um, and it's something I, I've, I've always quite enjoyed. So I was, I was, I was quite, you know, lucky to have the opportunity. Um, but I have spoken to lots of people since that have, they, they know they want to achieve that but they are really not comfortable in that space um, and have gone out and they have sought some external help or looked at somebody they have internally that does have that sort of mindset that is able to, uh, uh, that is able to take on that mantle. And then what kind of support did you have, again, internally? What other stakeholders, who, who did you involve? Who, who did you go to in order to get the detail when, when mapping out? Um, so... At the time, we were probably about 20 staff. Um, so I worked with a few of my colleagues, but I, we weren't particularly structured with regards to who was going to be involved in that process. Um, we are now 70 staff. We have a compliance function. We have an IT function. We have an L&D function. We're a much, much more sophisticated business. And we, if I were doing it again uh, in, a, in a business this size, I would have a... Uh, a full project team with people from each of those functions involved in that process um, because of the danger is, is that you kind of um, look at sales in isolation or look at candidate management in isolation when actually things like automation can help with um, how things get through to finance. They can help with how compliance manage what they do. So whilst at the time when we did it, we were, we were much smaller and I, I knew everything there was to know about the business. Now that's not the case. And if I was doing it again, I would, I would certainly put a team together that involved everybody. And what about the ongoing management of this automation? How, how often do you review the, the messages, the frequency, uh, all that kind of stuff? Well, as it happens, I have three hours in my diary with our marketing manager to, to do exactly that tomorrow. Um, I, I, I try to do it 
every every six months when it comes to just making sure that the, the content is fresh and, and a bit longer when we start thinking about uh, the process from start to finish. But what can happen is you introduce new bits of technology that might send a message out here or a message out there, and you need to really make sure that you're not doubling up on communication. So it, it works really well to take your whole tech stack every, every year and just make sure that everything's doing what you're expecting it to do at, at the right point. Um, and often when we sit down and review it, we will, um, we've actually scaled it back quite a lot from when we first started because you start and you get very excited and you, you know, you have automations and messages for everything. And then you kind of realize that actually, no, that's not important. People aren't opening that message there. So it's just, it's just noise to them. And we start to, you know, adjust change. And, and uh, I think, I think overall, we've probably moved, removed about 20% of our overall um, outbound um, communications because we realized we were probably just being a bit trigger happy with uh, with what we were putting out in the first place. Did, did you get any kind of feedback from people receiving these messages in, in terms of volume or frequency? Um, every now and again, but largely when a system has gone wrong, I've, I've made a mistake or there's been a, a quirk in the system and it's, and it's gone out to the wrong people at the wrong time. Um, however, I would say on the most part, um, people are, are, are quite happy to receive um, the occasional bit of criticism you do get. It's important to try and balance out, is that just a person having a bad day or is it systemic of, of whatever it is that you've got going on? But um, largely it's, it's, quite, it's quite well received. Do either you or the vendor that you're working with have any kind of best practice? You, you, you mentioned when you first started working with them five years ago, it was very early days, not just for them, but, but for, for that part of this industry. Um, is, is there a, a best practice, a guide to implementing automation for messaging with candidates today that you're aware of? Uh, I'm not sure that there's a guide that is available out there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure our vendor has come a long way themselves also in helping companies to get set up. So I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if their process wasn't quite a bit different from what we experienced. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of the, um, the planning that I mentioned, I would be considering what stuff do you want to sound personal and what, what stuff do you want to sound automated? And I think there is a place for both. Um, so, uh, for example, when someone registers a CV with us, we deliberately send them out an email that um, you might get from, similar to what you might get from Curry's or something on those lines where it very much feels automated and we're not trying to pretend to be personal. Um, and then we might have other emails that say, you know, good luck for your interview today that we want to feel a lot more personal, which has got a, um, rather than, um, uh, like a curry style email that you might get. It, it has a proper email signature and is designed to be a lot more personal. So think about where you want to switch from, from one to the other. Um, think about um, the, the timings that things go out, because I think in our head, we tend to say, right, I'm going to talk to somebody again after three months. I'm going to re-engage with someone at six months. And it can mean that you end up with lots of things that all happen at the same time. Uh, so have a think about uh, what, what that can look like um other than that i would say those are those are probably my my three main things when when you're first setting out in terms of best practices is it just candidates that you're using this automated messaging for are you doing it with clients in any way shape or form we we are using it for for clients and candidates yeah so we we do do sales things with it some of the uh we also do um uh 
process emails, I suppose, operational emails. So for example, when someone adds a, a new client to the system and we've agreed terms, if we need to do a setup with them, it automatically will message out requesting some information on behalf of finance uh, that we might need to get them set up on our system. So we've used it for uh, all sorts in that respect, which actually, just to come back to my prior point about best practices, um, have a think about how you're gonna get people into the system and more importantly, how you're gonna get them out of the process. Um, and what I mean by that is most automation tools will have their own internal logic where you can build lists and, and separate people. And that might be appropriate if you're doing um, an operational email that isn't gonna require uh, tender loving care like a business development email might be. However, sometimes it might be better if the facility is available to you to build those uh, candidate lists within your CRM so that your um, internal users can remove people out or add people into that at their discretion and based on feedback that they might be getting and also try and separate out then the operational stuff that you um, that you must have so uh, like a GDPR email for example you don't you don't want people to be unsubscribing from GDPR emails if they're just not interested in marketing um, most tools will have a remove me from everything button as standard um, but there are ways of setting up your own processes so that they can choose to unsubscribe from just the sales or marketing and not then the stuff that may very well end up removing them from the system if that's not what they want to do being an early adopter, what are the kind of things that you helped shape and form with the chosen vendor? Um, so when we when we first started with our um, automation product, it was um, it was very small. It was early days. Uh, I had a relationship with the owner um, and some of their kind of key techie people, uh, and the product initially was very much about um, communication. It was about you know, the emails and the text messages that were being sent to clients and candidates. Um, very early on, we started to challenge the process around how it could um, automate um, physical ticking of boxes, changing of statuses, and so on and so forth. Things that our CRM was lacking in and were typically forgotten by people to go back and do all oh, that little box here or this little thing here or update the um, you know, that, that box over there. Uh, and so we really challenged um, our automation product to, to start to fill that gap. Um, and subsequently that's now gone on to become a really uh, big part of what that product does. What kind of feedback do you get from your internal users, your recruiters or others? Um, and how many people have actually gone through this entire journey with you? Have you got people that were doing a lot of manual work five years ago that are actively giving you feedback on the changes? Um, so I wouldn't say we get uh, active feedback from people. I mean, you know, people, we often get told when it's going wrong. Uh, we, we don't get told so frequently how, how well it's going, <laughs> um, uh, which, uh, which is not to say that it doesn't go well, but I think it's just, it's just human nature that, that when things go wrong, we're, we're, we're um, you know, quick to say, oh, hang on, this has happened or that's happened, but not, hey, guess what? I just had this great lead come through. Um, but there have been a, quite quite a few people that have come on this journey with us. Certainly, we've, as I say, we've grown from 20 to 70 now, and the, many of that original team are still there and will we'll remember what it's like. Um, but the, the benefits now, um, you know, far outweigh not having it. I, I think that automation, almost everything else is optional, <laughs> whereas I think automation is that one thing that is a must now if you want to be competitive um 
examples of the sort of things that we have going on here that you know the new people wouldn't even know what it would be like to to live without is uh, you know, emails going out to um, shortlisted individuals, inviting those individuals to book time directly into the diary of the relevant recruitment person, you know, and they come in the next day and they've, they've straight away got, uh, you know, a handful of people that they need to talk to. Um, uh, e e emails that go out marketing available contractors uh, and they come in the next day to find that, you know, two or three people are interested in a couple of contractors they might, might have available. Um, so, so the benefits are, are, are fantastic. The, the the downside is 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 it's a logical process and sometimes life isn't logical <laughs> so there might be certain situations that due to very unique circumstances mean someone got an email or a message um, that uh, wasn't as relevant for them as it could be uh, and I think with those things you've got to weigh up the, the pros and cons of using it and understanding that every now and again the logic might not quite fit an exact situation or um, having all of the benefit that goes along with, with running it the way it is. It's difficult sometimes to measure these things, but do you have any KPIs that you measure on this automation? Do you have any, any stats that you can talk about in terms of time saved or anything like that? Um, once upon a time, I did. Um, it just got to the point where it was it was so crazy that it was just saving so much time it almost it almost was not worth even trying to, to trying to keep an eye on um i do remember when we first set up the system i was sat there with my spreadsheet working how how many seconds does it take to do this and how many seconds does it take to do that but it, it's almost beyond measure now in terms of how much time it saves it's so lots you, and lots and you lots recognized and lots. you recognized the roi early on and and now you just know it's worth carrying on investing in this we, we did. I mean, there are other ways of, of monitoring um, ROI because, uh, for example, the product that we use is able to recommend some candidates from our own system. It does have that, that kind of logic built in and it can make some recommendations. It doesn't, it doesn't work all the time. My theory or my, my view of recruitment is most sources, um, you, you have to try everything. Not everything works all the time, right? It's about being dynamic and touching lots of different places and, and seeing what what's working for you when it comes to these integrated um, pre-qualification systems or what have you. Uh, but we can actually tie placements directly back to some of those things if we want to. So it can be more straightforward. What do you think is the next big thing when it comes to automation? Uh, well, the next big thing is, is, in my opinion, definitely the integration of AI into automation. Um, so if you've got things that are communicate communicating um at the right intervals generating its own content having conversations backwards and forwards with people and i know that there's some products like this already you know that are out there on the market i, I think it's um still not really scratch the surface of what that's ultimately going to look like in five to ten years time um but i think that is going to be without a doubt the next big thing and potentially the biggest thing to happen to the recruitment industry from since since the internet stopped people using fax machines Matt, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very much for sharing your journey. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you to our listeners. Please like, subscribe and share. And more importantly, let us know if there is someone you would like us to interview on the show and what you would like to hear them talking about. 
What strategic and or operational changes are you planning to implement in your staffing slash recruitment firm? Lastly, thank you to our sponsor employee providing front and middle office solutions to a range of staffing and recruitment organisations on the Salesforce platform. That's all for today. James Lawton signing out. 